Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lookout Landing Podcast. I'm Kate Brucer, Managing Editor of Lookout Landing, joined, as always, by my co-host, John Troopin. John, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well tonight, Kate. Um, very sort of sad that the season has really officially come to a close, but yeah. it is relaxing in many ways and uh, we have the chance now to focus on what's next. Yep, and uh, you know I love I love minor league baseball, and I love <laughs> letting the young guys get a shot. And today, my little pet prospect, Mike Marjama, got to he had he had a single, he had a double, and he gunned a runner down trying to steal it. I was so proud of him. <laughs> your your mini Mitch was, My was mini on display. He is a mini Mitch. He is, <laughs> he's actually older than Mitch, I think. But, he is indeed, but still, he's mini Mitch. Um, yeah. yeah, and I just I want them to be best friends and like help each other out <laughs> with hitting over the off season. They're, they're good um, so we are joined by a very special guest tonight. Speaking of looking forward, uh, we are joined by Kazuto Yamasaki, who writes for Beyond the Box Score. BP Wrigleyville, uh, gosh, he's everywhere. He does stuff for the Sydney Blue Sox, uh, Delta Graphs, which we will talk about a little bit more later. You can find him on Twitter at Kazuto underscore Yamasaki. And Kazu, Kaz, Kaz, is it okay to just go with Kaz? Yeah. Okay, we'll go with Kaz. How are you two tonight for us? But actually, you are in Japan, so. It is early morning for you, right? Ten minutes to noon. Ten minutes to noon. Well, thank you for making time. This is very cool. We're talking to you. You're in the future. What, what's <laughs> life like in the future? Are things uh -oh. any better? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> really hoping. Is it okay if I just call you up every night, my time, and ask you if things have gotten any better yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All right, so, Kaz, we are having you on because you are an expert on NPB baseball. Um, what does NPB stand for, again, just to... Um, Nippon Professional Baseball. Nippon is um, the local name. Japan. Did you grow up uh, as a fan, uh, you know, watching the NPB, or were you watching MLB exclusively, or were you sort of mixing and matching? How did you grow up into writing about, uh, you know, Major League Baseball, uh, the NPB, and and sort of being all over? How did how did you get yeah, into like, writing like about baseball? Like international, you are an international writer, so I'm super interested in that too. Uh huh. So, I was introduced to the baseball around I was 10, mm -hmm. then like many other kids my age, I got into Kideki Matsui and the Yomiuri Giants who mm -hmm. are the evil empire of <laughs> <laughs> So. I've got admit, like I was uh, I was a fan of the Japanese Yankees <laughs> for a couple we, of years. Oh, that's a tough sell. We we can forgive you though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then um, Matsui signed with the Yankees, so I became a fan of the actual Yankees. So mm -hmm. made I, made the full conversion. Yeah. <laughs> I got tired of rooting for the Yankees, you know? So I kind of just picked the Rangers as my team, sorry. 
Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that that is often when when you tweet and folks, Kazuto has one of the best is one of the best follows if you are on Twitter if you're especially if you're looking to get into following baseball Twitter because you just get a great range of stuff but. The yeah. amount of Rangers-focused stuff does sometimes, like, I, I'm shaking my fist at the screen because uh, it, it's it's always exciting, but it makes me more interested and feeling it makes me feel positive towards the Rangers, which has been sort of the exact opposite of what I've wanted my entire life. Um, essentially, ever since I heard the name Rafael Palmero, I've wanted to just be pissed at the Rangers constantly. So you, you somehow make the Rangers palatable, uh, which I can't really forgive you for. That's fine. I think. So <laughs> the Rangers have a pretty significant history with, um, at least recently, with Japanese players. Um, they seem to have done a lot with building bridges. What drew you to the Rangers? Was it their involvement in Japanese professional baseball? Um what are they doing nowadays? So, okay. My origin with the Rangers as a Rangers fan is um, the 2004 team, which hmm. featured, uh, featured um, Hank Playdock, Mark Teixeira, Alphonse <laughs> Soriano. Wow. You know, I, I love heavy hitting teams. Mm-hmm. And crappy pitching. <laughs> <laughs> the the, the early two thousands Rangers were the yeah. perfect team for that. Then yeah. Oh yeah, the the teams with Chanho Park as the ace were <laughs> something else. Oh, Vicente Padilla. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> yeah, that was. A lot of eight to six games I remember from from that era. <laughs> <laughs> so, as a Rangers is, fan um, in Japan, were you like, was that a common thing? Were there other people, or were you just kind of like out there on your own? Because I imagine the Yankees have an incredible reach. The Yankees permeate internationally. Um, you know, the Dodgers, the the big market teams. The Rangers, it doesn't seem to me, are as big a market team. So is it just kind of you? So before Darvish, there was a small community of Rangers fans here. But um, after they got Darvish and Uehara, Tateyama, whoever, um... So the the amount of coverage increased dramatically. Mm-hmm. So uh, NHK, the national television channel, they they are uh, broadcasted basically every start. Mm-hmm. No matter no matter when, like it, the majority of games. Interesting. A good, yeah, good portion of his start started at so 2 a.m., 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much like, I think, for being like a a, uh, a fan of uh, professional soccer or, or, you know, being a fan of the EPL here often was, um, you know, until NBC started, started uh, broadcasting where I think people would be getting up at, you know, one in the morning or, or getting up really late or to watch games. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people who had some dark times like that. Um, so is it, is it still very much, though, that, you know, players are followed as, a, as opposed to teams? Or has, it, has there been an adoption of, you know, I, 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 this may be a, a sloppy analogy, but, like, I know people will have, you know, for – for soccer, will have you maybe you have an MLS team, but you have a team that plays in England, or you have a team that plays in Italy. Do do a lot of fans uh, that you know have uh, a team in Japan in the NPB, and then also have uh, a team uh, in the US, or does it not quite work that way? Uh, so 
those who follow the American baseball closely, mm-hmm. they usually have their own baseball team. Mm-hmm. But the majority of basically the basically MLB coverage in Japan <coughs> is um focused solely on Japanese players. Sure. So news headlines, news stories go like Ichiro went all for one in pinch hitting appearance, Marlins lost. That's it. Mm-hmm. Whether <coughs> even if Santon hit three homers in that game. <laughs> it's the priority is the Ichiro pinch hitting. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Well, I feel a little <clears throat> guilty because I've been doing sort of the opposite of that. <laughs> in that, or not the opposite, but like I didn't know anything about Japanese baseball or the NPV other than it existed and it's sort of on the fringes of my consciousness. But obviously, like many other baseball fans, I've gotten really interested in Shohei Otani. And so I am starting to, like, I've rearranged my schedule. I take naps so that I can get up and watch the games streamed at, like, 2 a.m. our time here on the West Coast. So I can watch him um, because he's so exciting. Um, And the whole experience of the MPB games is so different from what I'm used to, you know, as a especially as a, a, a fan of a team that doesn't maybe generate a ton of excitement. Um, and I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit about the differences between uh, the experience of maybe taking in an NPB game versus the experience of taking in an MLB game. Although, I'm not a part of it. I've never been, but... Um, <laughs> so... Fans are, you know, chanting relentlessly throughout the game. But in doing so, they can feel like they are a part of the team. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I've seen it yeah. described for American audiences like a college football fit, where people just don't care like they don't care about looking cool they don't care about being reserved or whatever which is interesting me to me because uh uh how japanese culture is traditionally portrayed to us is as a very reserved like kind of stately culture where there's a ton of emotion shown but then you see people like i saw a 60 year old man wearing a poop emoji hat i still am not exactly (laughs) sure what that was in reference to but it was a poop emoji hat um and just you know people have the thunder sticks and they're they're cheerleading and they're loud and it it's just an entirely different it is much closer to what in america we see as a and not even a football game but a college football game where people are just deeply invested for love for their team? Uh, you can say love, but I don't know, it's more like an obsession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is what I have seen in the, in the like these beautifully, uh, when we go to Mariners games, there are like a few people with like beautifully handmade signs that it's just, it's a cross, it, it's such a spectacle to me that I'm not used to. Like, mm-hmm. everybody has a sign, they have a costume, they're so into the game, no one is no one is just there to, like, kind of spend time with their friends, even though that's part of what they're doing. They're mm-hmm. there for the experience of the game, and they're totally into the game. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> we think that, uh, we think this way so by chanting constantly 
the fans can actually improve their team's performance. Like mm-hmm. they, they can send out, I don't know, some intangible power to the players. <laughs> yes, sure. I connect to this idea very strongly. Uh, but you, you sound like this that that's not maybe the way that you relate to the game because is 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 that accurate cause yep <laughs> fair fair enough because because we got a lot of questions from folks who are who i think have seen you know a little bit of of you know the npb or who have seen games and um you know find that uh sort of ex- obsession as you described it uh to be a compelling way to root for baseball um but yeah, we got a couple <laughs> questions from uh, our friend chris from mary craig asking what elements of npb should be transferred over to mlb like what and i have my own ideas on this but um <laughs> there's definitely a lot of energy and uh, stuffed animals and, and various things that we aren't really a part of the American game. What would you like to see transferred over? Or or what would you like to see from the MLB if, if you're not yeah, yeah, yeah. quite as quite as enthusiastic? What would Ooh. you prefer to be transferred the other way? Okay, so this is not fun experience, but I'd love to see MLB adopting the 28-man roster. Oh, interesting. So, you would how does that generally tend to translate? Because I think usually when people talk about expanding the rosters, there are concerns about like, oh, we'll just get a bunch more relief pitchers, yeah, and the game will take forever. Yeah, we're pushing to just forever. get to twenty six. I think. What 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 what's what would you see as the benefit to extending the rosters to twenty eight? Okay, so NPB teams can carry 28 players mm-hmm. um, for any given game, but mm-hmm. um, <coughs> only 25 of them can actually participate in the game. So Interesting. Yeah, so you make three of them inactive, ineligible for that particular game. So usually like those that. three spots go to the starting pitcher previous day, the day before, and the, the day after. Uh-huh. Model starter, or something like that. So. That's so interesting. That kind of works yeah. more like, um, like football. In yeah. Well, most, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know quite how hockey works, but I know that's very much the way that, uh, you know, soccer operates. I know football operates that way. Basketball certainly operates that way. You have a 15-man roster, but only 12 people are active um, or uh, are eligible to be active. That I mean, I I'm very interested in in that idea, and certainly in the Mariners' case, uh, as a team that you know Jerry Depoto I think has actively stated, um, you know, his philosophy that the 24th and 25th people on the roster, you know, the your sort of two lowest on the totem pole uh relievers should you know can be used to be shuttled back and forth uh to tacoma um you know i wonder how big of an impact something like that might have where you're not having to send people back and forth but instead you could just you know have reinforcements that are that are that are fresh i i that's a very interesting uh you know i wonder how that would uh play out uh does that tends to you know because that seems like it would also tend towards better player health is that something that you uh have have seen or that you think would be the result kazuto um i can't talk about better health because they are the 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 stuff is not as open as it is in sure interesting um that's fair, but, but I it, it's a think uh, generally, um, <coughs> NPV players, especially pitchers, are less susceptible to injuries. Mm-hmm. 
even though like they sometimes throw 130, 140, sometimes 150 pitches in a game, mm -hmm. but they usually go back out and make next time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I, I would be very curious to see how that worked out then. Um, speaking of sort of different uh, ways that, that uh, you know, NPB and, and uh, the U.S. have, uh, you know, may analyze or may challenge uh, and adopt different characteristics. Um, so many people, I think, we rely on as a site, um, and certainly many of the people who read and l listen here, uh, rely on fan graphs, uh, the site, uh, heavily when we're doing analysis, when we're looking at stuff, um, you know, and trying to get you know, advanced metrics that we are, you know, wanting to get ahead of what's happening. And um, I know you, obviously, as a writer for Beyond the Box Score, um, you know, are very attuned to that. But you also have had a role in developing uh, advanced metrics uh, for use in the NPB and have a role in um, the development of a site called Delta Graphs. Um, could you talk a little bit more about how that came together? Okay, so Delta Graph was founded by a man named Yusuke Okada, <coughs> who is the, I don't know, basically the founder of Japanese favor uh, metrics. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so without him, <coughs> we are <coughs> even way further behind. <laughs> in advanced methodics, advanced analysis mm -hmm. um, compared to the states. So he basically copied and developed his own like Japan's own fan graphs. Mm -hmm. Um so you can see stats like WRC graph over pitch value, WPA and the stuff for NPV players. Mm -hmm. And that's that's not been necessarily a, a, a smooth transition, uh, right? I mean, we I've I've gone back and I know part of what we are all very interested in is what is Shohei Otani going to do? How successful is he going to be? But um, you know, for 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 me, you know, I went uh, to Delta Crafts and looked at some of the information there, um, and it's it's fascinating to see, you know, and and be able to compare some of this information. But you know, I, I imagine that ha that was not, you know, just as it wasn't a, a quick transition uh, here in the U.S. That that probably has taken some time to be well received uh, in in Japan. Is that correct? So Bill James kind of started mm. this movement in 1975-ish. Yeah. Then it took us 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Get here. Uh-huh. And so... So... I don't know. Actually, it's been it's been relatively fairly quick then, yeah. right? Is yeah. Delta Graphs began I, just I a few know, years yeah. back? I don't. Know. It started <laughs> in here. Maybe it's the same time as the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, yeah. um, the amount of advanced analysis I see online. Lately, <coughs> I wouldn't say I'm satisfied, but especially TV broadcasts and all the style newspapers, they, for them, the most important stat for pitchers is still wins and losses and ERA. <laughs> so. <laughs> We're we're still working with a little bit of that here as well, but mm. yeah. 
speaking of Shohei Otani, let's direct the conversation a little bit towards him. Um, I know that there are many intriguing talents in MPB this year. And, like, maybe, would you like to, Kazu, maybe take a little bit of time? I know Otani gets all the attention, but is there anyone else we should be paying attention to? Um, anyone who's kind of under the radar or who isn't getting the attention Otani is getting who is is worth looking at or following? They have a bunch, so... <clears throat> you pick out your favorites. Okay. Uh, I'm going with uh, Otani's teammate, uh, center fielder Haruki Nishikawa. He's a competent center fielder. He doesn't have the best arm, but it's sufficient for center field. And he certainly has the speed. Mm -hmm. I've clocked him sub 3.9 super wow. face. Yeah. And so at the the plate, he's got some contact skills, he's got some pop in him, and <coughs> a great base running instinct. He's stolen like over 30 bases, right? He's yeah. a legitimate and base stealer. 38 for 43 in wow. this year. Wow. So yeah. not just fast, but also smart. Like, he knows, knows when to take to a read. Three years away from international, maybe four years away from okay. international free agencies. And okay. I haven't heard him expressing some sort of desire to come over. But mm -hmm. if he did, I think he could be at least a um, good first division backup outfielder or maybe even a starting center mm -hmm. fielder. Mm -hmm. For, so let's see, Nori Aoki got what, 350 plate appearances for the Astros this year. Yeah. I'm confident enough that to say um Nishikawa is better than Aoki in general. <laughs> the Nori Aoki has a very interesting uh, I think <laughs> response here because he was he he like he averaged out to be fine, but it was just very hard to watch him. Yeah, his um, routes were not <laughs> Yeah, and and he was a he was a really good player. I think when he first came over, right? I mean, he was he was a, a legitimately you know good starter when he was with Milwaukee and and with uh, Kansas City. But you know, he he just was <laughs> tough to watch, and his speed fell off a little bit, so that he was you know I think a little bit shakier on the bases. But that. Either way, that that is a good career path to to follow if if Nishikawa has has that in him. Yeah. So <coughs> remember, guys, Haruki Nishikawa, mm -hmm. future Lord Fifty Five Big Leaguer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I feel like. Everybody is so curious about Otani, and I'm sure anyone who has listened to this podcast has just skimmed forward until they could hear mention <laughs> of Otani. So let's just let's just do it. Let's talk about Shohei Otani. Like, uh, tell us what you've seen in him. Um, <coughs> he's a dude, <laughs> which means yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is he the top? Like, where does he rank in tallest Japanese players? Ever? Because he is so tall. Um, he's listed 
193 centimeters so it is six foot four I, th I think he's six four yeah he's six yeah. four in american measurements which is really tall for any yeah. asian player but i mean that's tall for a, a u.s mlb -er. It's yeah, right about in line with where you would love a pitcher to be. Uh, a little tall for an outfielder, but it's... That's, you know, that's Jason Worth. Like, Jason yeah. Worth is huge. Yeah, right? yeah, you yeah. Know. But he's like. not as meaty as Jason Worth, right? Like, mm -hmm. Jason Worth is much more... Uh, Otani is not unmuscly, but Jason Worth is like... A, a, he's, he's a piece of meat. Mm. He's meaty. <laughs> <laughs> he's large. He's broad-shouldered. Uh, Otani is not broad-shouldered, and his power always surprises me. When I see him, you know, just try to spoil a pitch, and then he just casually flicks it, and it goes 400 feet. I, he He's amazing to me. So he has the fastest, quickest bat, quickest lift. His bat is the fastest I've seen from uh, any Japanese player. Wow. He just seems like he's a freak, right? He's a freak of nature. <laughs> is that fair to say? I feel like that's fair to say. Yeah, freak. He, he is not like anything else. He, he might fit in elsewhere, like maybe he's a 6-4 power hitter, who's grown in like the cornfields of America and hits all these uh, but that is also not someone who throws a hundred mile an hour fastball like he is unlike any player I feel like I have ever seen and people compare him to Babe Ruth he's not Babe Ruth like Babe Ruth was a short stocky power hitter who could Theoretically, do both, but I, I feel like to compare him to Babe Ruth does Otani a real disservice in the kind of athlete that he is. He's a very different athlete from Babe Ruth, who, you know, power, power, power. Babe Ruth was like Cece Sabathia on the mound, plus, um, I don't know, uh, Mo Vaughn. Mo Vaughn, okay. I was gonna go for Pujols, but yes. Uh, Babe Ruth was big and slow. Otani is an athlete, like a crazy physical specimen. I don't think there's ever been anything like him. Hunter Green might be like him. Um, you know, the, the two, Brendan McKay might be like him. But no one is as advanced as Otani. That's what I feel about him. Um, has there ever been, do you have any... Uh, blueprint for him, Kazu. Okay. So, as Kate said, um, <clears throat> he's a freak. He's a, he's, he's a physical monster. He's, a <laughs> he's so big! Off the charts. And so, if he to like if he gave up pitching I think he can be a top five center fielder in MLB if that really? yeah you like his hit tool that much you like his fielding ability that much so he's got speed so he can um serve three um serve four Home fast, okay. so which is uh, which is legit eighty speed. Mm -hmm. And of course, he's got a channel for an arm. <laughs> <laughs> and eighty low power. Mm -hmm. But um, he he has um a fair share of swings and misses. He switch mm. blade, he strike out late, um <coughs> long among the worst the highest mm. in 
and Phoebe. Yeah, so. I feel like I've seen him chase balls that he has no business going after just because he thinks he can hit them. Like, he thinks he could still... <laughs> because I've seen him also hit bad balls uh, or low balls, like, just trying to cover... Like I said, when he um, was just trying to cover, just trying to foul off a pitch and he wound up hitting it out for a home run... Um, he has that kind of power, at least against the pitchers he's been facing. Um, but he does, and this maybe to me frames a little bit of his desire to come to MLB, is he can swing at bad balls, he can chase, and still get hits a lot of the time. He's going to strike out, but he's also going to get hits a lot of the time because he's so powerful. So I wonder yeah. how that will translate to MLB. Okay, so uh, I mentioned he's got quick hands, so he can catch up to high heaters. I mm. don't think he'd have a huge problem um, catching up to like, turning on inside fastballs, but I think the biggest problem for him is to recognize off-speed pitches. Um, just an average change-up, it can get him chase and reflex, so he needs to make an adjustment. He needs to mm -hmm. learn how to lay off those of speed pitches down in the dirt. Mm -hmm. But he's still 23, so... <laughs> in so many ways, he reminds me of... You know, uh, in our organization, we just had Tyler O'Neill, who's a great power hitter, come through. And obviously, the two have completely different builds. Like, Tyler O'Neill is 5'10 and built like a Tonka truck. Otani is tall and lean... Um, but both of them, I think, have similar approaches at the plate where they want to swing more often than they don't. They want to, they want to hit it out. Um, and as the Mariners organization taught Tyler O'Neill to lay off his pitches and be a little more selective at the plate and turn him into a top 100 prospect, I feel like that would be a similar development path that you would have to take with Otani, who is in hitting at the NP in NPB, like hitting at a similar level to AAA. So a similar adjustment that Tyler O'Neill had to go through, our, our big power hitter had to go through, learning how to lay off of off speed, learning how to work counts in his favor. It just seems like that is the next step he needs to take to make himself into an elite hitter at the MLB level. Okay, so another aspect of his game is he he hits relatively high amount of ground balls for such a powerful slugger. Um, mm -hmm. So his ground ball to fly ball ratio has been basically one-to-one one throughout his career. Hmm. Like he can, he can hmm. benefit from the, the batted board profile since he's, um, he's got 80 speed and he can make... Oh uh, well, first of all, he hits, he hits them so hard, so infielders <laughs> can't, can't catch up. So every hard hit ground ball gets through the infield. So first his carrier Bobby to date is three six three and mm. this year is four 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 in more than twelve plate appearances. So he, so he might be a good candidate for the fly ball revolution. <laughs> yeah. Right? 
And if you if they keep shooting the ball, <laughs> is yeah. Yes, let's talk about juicing the ball because <laughs> juicing the ball is so interesting on both sides. So theoretically, juicing the ball would help him as a hitter if he was able to angle himself a little bit to get that fly ball, decrease the ground balls, get more fly balls. But as a pitcher, because we also have to talk about him as a pitcher, and I think primarily we have to talk about him as a pitcher because that's how clubs are looking at him the state of starting pitching is so poor right now and you have clubs locking up players like marco estrada who's very good but older and they're locking him down or they're locking down clayton richard or uh who's the other one who just got signed that i'm trying uh, to matt harvey mad harvey yeah who is a hot <laughs> mess he is a mess. He's a personal mess. He's a health mess. He is a mess. And the Mets felt like, oh, we, we need to make sure that we've got him locked down going to this offseason. You are seeing more and more clubs holding their starting pitching closer to their chest and paying for them rather than feeling like they have to go out on the open market because it's going to be so hard. Um, so obviously, Otani is more valuable as a pitcher. Than he is as a hitter, even though he's crazy valuable as a hitter, which is what makes him an, in, an incredible talent, something I don't think we'll have seen possibly ever. ever. Yeah, po I think ever. I think ever is fair to say. It sounds huge, but I think, I think it is fair to say that he is unlike anything we will have ever seen um, because of this combination of circumstances, one of which being any club theoretically has a chance to land him but back to the fly ball or back to the juiced balls so if juiced balls help him as a hitter would the juiced balls affect him as a pitcher like let's talk about otani as a pitcher a little bit about what he offers um i know i've studied it a little bit john has studied it a fair amount um just curious like what you have seen what you what you think about do you think he brings more value as a hitter or as a pitcher okay to answer the question i think let him do both is the best way to get the most value out of him mm. i don't know <laughs> um so, he is really hard to talk about, I think, because yeah. we know so little about him, and he is so unlike anything else. So the <clears throat> the fighters last year basically split him in half, not literally, but uh, they signed Marty. <laughs> <Marley. laughs> we, we did not have a King Solomon situation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Kaz. Yeah, so basically they used him on the mound for the first half. Then he mm. got, uh, he suffered with a lower half injury and missed some time. Then when he came back, they used him <clears throat> as their primary DH. And do you think that's the best way to utilize him as opposed to like a National League team where they would be putting having to either only pitch him or only use him in the outfield or put him in the outfield in addition to hitting or okay. in addition to pitching? Okay, so the third option is mm -hmm. impossible, I think. The There's too just, much strain. Just, yeah, too much yeah. workload. That's been my feeling as well, but uh, I continue to see his name linked to the Dodgers, so... I mean, I'm not him, and no one knows what he's thinking. Right. Let's see. I think the best way to utilize him is give him the ball 
every six days, and then hmm. let him DH two or three days a week. Okay. We obviously, as Mariners fans, are, you know, a team with no end of pitching issues and yeah. essentially only the only position that we do have consistency at is designated hitter. Um, although uh, Nelson Cruz is, uh, you know, only under contract for one more year. So trying to work out, you know, I think obviously it is reasonable yeah, John, to say. Yeah, John, let me just ask you, like, um, so if by some miracle the Mariners were able to <laughs> sign Otani, uh, if we were able to enchant him over to our shores, uh -huh. um, we still have Nelson Cruz for another year. What would you see as as being the division of labor? Because I, I agree, Otani is too valuable to risk in the outfield. I don't think he would want to do it. Maybe, maybe, like maybe right. one day a week he'll play the outfield. Yeah, it would be, I think, as Kazu has said, it's just too much of a workload to ask him to really play outfield if you're going to have him starting pitching. Um you know, and like, you know, even if you can do it with your legs, like that's just so much to put on your arm and so much uncertainty where you have situations where it's like you're having to make a decision of like, well, this was my bullpen day. So I threw a bunch earlier, yeah. but now I'm out in the outfield. There's a guy, you know, coming around second, like I'm running to this ball. I'm going to have to decide, you know, how much can I throw? on you know put on this throw that's it's going to be impactful like, and yeah. you know and then afterwards you feel you know if he doesn't put enough on it you know he's going to be looked at like well you know he he his arm wasn't you know ready why why did they have him out there and you know that's a lot to put on a I guy don't even individually that but even if the ball doesn't come to him just the mental strain especially right. with how heavily shifting the mariners are the mental mm. strain of having to pick up <laughs> The shit. No, seriously, like no, I'm, having I'm to pick not, up the I'm shift, not just, yeah. like, yeah. um, and figure out how to position yourself back. It, even if um, it's an easy, lazy fly ball, which obviously we have right. a very fly ball pitching staff. Like, <laughs> yeah. ideally, you don't have yeah. to work too hard to pick yeah. off a runner, but you still have to have that positioning. You still have to have the angle. You still have yeah. to be thinking. Like, it is still a big physical commitment for your body yeah. to do. So, yeah, I think DH makes sense if he truly wants to be a two-day player or two-way yeah. player. Um, I would I, I would want to see more. I think you can, if that's the case, you can live with a little more Nelson Cruz in the outfield. Yeah. Not a ton, but, like, you have, you know, Guillermo Heredia and... Mitch Haniger and Ben Gamble, and likely there will well, sign someone else. Well, isn't that what the Indians are doing? They put Kitness, who is not a center <laughs> fielder, they put Kitness mm -hmm. in center field, because I was like, why is Austin Jackson playing left field? Right. That's weird. But yeah. it's because they flanked him with two center... F they. This is a really interesting right. way, I think, to approach center field, and might be the new market inefficiency, is like, put your big slugger in center field... Mm -hmm. And then flank him with two outfielders who are essentially center fielders. So you flank him mm -hmm. with Gamel Haniger, or you flank him mm -hmm. with Heredia Haniger. Like whatever mm -hmm. the combination is, put him in center field and just let everybody else run the stuff down. Yeah, it would be very interesting to see how that would work. But uh, whatever their configuration. You can live with a little more Nelson Cruz uh, in the outfield because you can cover him, whether you're doing something yeah. really creative like that or even just like, just hang out in right field, don't run too hard. <laughs> yeah, we'll let Guillermo's our center, Guillermo will cover everything. <laughs> yeah. Guillermo yeah. is playing right center. Yeah, I mean, there's a period, I, I remember Albert Pujols, and maybe you guys will remember other examples of this, but Albert Pujols had some sort of arm injury which ended up being the reason he moved to first base eventually but he was playing left field because they didn't uh, the cardinals couldn't take his bat out of the lineup but he couldn't throw so they had uh i 
don't remember if it was Jim Edmonds at that time or if it was, uh, you know, who it was. But essentially, it was like any time a ball came to him, he'd either have to flip it to the outfielder nearest him or they'd have to have the shortstop run out to him, um, you know, to, to get the ball on an underhand flip. But, you know, when you have guys like Otani and Cruz, you need to be creative. And, you know, again, with, you know, because you just have Whatever to find team. you have to find a way to work the bat slash the arm into your right. lineup. So right, yeah. yeah. So whatever whatever team he ends up actually going to, it is going to be f- very fascinating to watch how he is worked in. You know, yeah. just because there's not going to be anything like this. So speaking of which, back to Kavi. Um, Information about Otani is very thin on the ground. We do not have a ton about him. We're not even 100% sure he's coming over. I feel mostly sure about the idea that he's coming over. I feel pretty sure about the idea that he wants to be a two-way player. I don't think he would go to a club that um, won't offer him the ability to do that. And I think that, as we've talked about, an AL club is way better positioned to do that than an NL club, unless he loves the idea of playing outfield like one day a week and the rest of it being off and then his pitching day, which, you know, I don't know, maybe to play for the Dodgers, he, he would like that. Um, I've seen him connected to the Cubs a lot, which feels weird, but whatever. Um, we are very much reading tea leaves just trying to interpret everything we can about Otani Kazu, you have access to uh, interviews, things that he's said directly that maybe we don't have quite as much of in the states what is your reading on him and like what's important to him um (laughs) unfortunately he doesn't even let his tongue sleep, so really? what Kate said is basically everything I know. Interesting. Ooh, even his home country, like, no, like, just casual radio interviews, or, like, <laughs> is the media that cut off from him? Yeah, so he... He makes commercial appearances, or uh, he talks about other stuff. So, <laughs> not much. But he's very—he's very good at separating. Yeah. Shohei Otani, you know, public figure and person here to sell you whatever product from Shohei Otani, you know, future baseball plans. I mean, what is your impression of him? personally just from like I mean I'm sure you're kind of you live there so you see uh, you see his commercial presence you see other other things that we don't what is your impression okay what's he so, like um I put it this way um so so as far as the Minas go. Um, you Davish is Rick Bong from Major League One. Uh, you know, like yeah, you know this. Mm-hmm. Then um, Otani is Rick Bong from Major League Two. <laughs> uh, say more about that. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that who, for our listeners who might not be as familiar <laughs> with with the major league <laughs> yeah series. exactly oh that's amazing though <laughs> <laughs> so Davish was a rock star like mm. <clears throat> so sleeping with a bunch of girls <laughs> and open about like his Private life. Mm-hmm. Then, um, Otani is more. I don't know. 
calms down. Sure. She doesn't know much about what she does in spare time. And uh, when she does <coughs> go on TV shows, interviews, she's always wearing suits. And it, it's fair to point out too, right, that uh, Darvish is half. Uh, Persian? No, he's he's Middle East. He's Middle Eastern, right? Yeah. Um, so not entirely so, somebody who maybe has more uh, of a foot in two different cultures than Otani, who is just completely Japanese, right? Has been born and bred and brought up in the culture. Um, I don't. Think Darvish being half mixed uh plays much role in his demeanor. Mm. Um, he's him. Then Otani is Otani. <clears throat> Just he's. So you think more than uh cultural mores or like how they were brought up, it's just yeah. personality differences. Interesting. Yeah, so Otani's old baseball then not much private life and we don't know about but um so I mean obviously of the very few Otani stories that have made their way stateside, one of the big ones is you know, he lives in the Uh, dorm, he doesn't he certainly makes enough money to where he could choose his lifestyle um but he lives in the team dorm he pretty much keeps to himself he doesn't drink he doesn't go out um just a very different just not at all i think what you would associate with somebody who is um really a a superstar yeah so part of it is the amount of effort amount of workload it takes to <clears throat> to be a two-way player just mm. he has to commit all of his time to baseball <laughs> that's a fair point yeah i know that's, i've never even thought so, about that so a, a lot of ice baths <laughs> <laughs> Well, as a human being, he is. So, I read this interview one time that someone asked Otani what he would do if he got a Friday off, Friday night off. Uh-huh. And he answered uh, that he would go to a baseball game as a spectator. <laughs> I love it. I love that so much. Yeah. So he would he would fit in in terms of at least his his public persona would fit in very much in the sort of very conservative be all about baseball always you know sort of mentality you know, he he he's his public persona at least so far that he has expressed is very much exclusively about baseball and that may just be how how he is as as far as we can tell yeah yeah. It's it is it is funny to see you know the the ways that different different guys you know come up like I think the most hyped you know I remember the most hyped prospect I think of the last five years or or well I guess ten years or so I remember like Bryce Harper was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and the tight like the headline was he hits 500 foot home runs he throws 95 mile per hour fastballs. He's like a amazing catcher, and he's 16 years old. Like you know, this whole thing, and you know, obviously we've seen Harper develop into a spectacular player, and also a very much a you know a character, a, you know, a, a, a personality that can be uh, polarizing. You know, whereas you you know the guy he's most often compared to is Mike Trout, who um, is you know, kind of goofy at times, but often has, 
is is knocked is is disparaged for having little to right. no personality. No life outside of baseball. <laughs> right, but it, and weather loves his weather. <laughs> and weather, <laughs> he does love his weather. Um, so that that's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how how he responds to where wherever it is that he decides to come. And obviously, we we hope that that is Seattle, but right. Uh, is there anything <laughs> we could do? Do you think to like improve our chances? Like, do you think a letter writing campaign? I mean, we could send in postcards of Seattle. It's very beautiful here. Uh, very similar, I think, to Hokkaido. Like, yeah. Well, I think actually, like you guys, as uh, the website community. So the Japanese media loves what American media is talking about uh, mm -hmm. Japanese players. So let's see. So sporting news that blah 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 about uh, I don't know uh, Tanaka <laughs> or mm -hmm. Los Angeles Times. So write an article about Otani <laughs> every day is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Because I can totally, I can then, totally so, commit to that. Yeah. I was going to say, because yeah. each, yeah. Uh, Kate wrote every single day all this, this winter an article about Edgar Martinez. And I trying to, to campaign for him to get into the Hall of Fame. I did do that. I think, yeah, I think we can orchestrate yeah, we something to that effect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a little harder. There's less information, but I'm sure to be creative. Yeah, make sure to involve all of your leader, com leaders, community. Mm -hmm. So let everyone <laughs> participate. We and we can we can work we on can that. We can definitely work on that. <laughs> all right, I think we have some questions to answer. So like maybe we should take a little break and then yeah, we can we'll, take a we'll come back and and answer the questions. All right, does that sound good? Mm -hmm. All right. Alright, we will uh, catch you after the break. I still think of you in my bed, of the good time, good time, good time we had. where we take your questions all right john what have you got for us uh so we got some good questions uh some As we of always which do. are thank you indeed. so much to everyone who sends indeed. them in uh some of them are sort of related to uh japanese baseball japan and and a few other things some of them are more mariners focused um kazu's an excellent sport for sticking with us through both both uh groups um so we'll, we can start here with this first question from Eric Sanford. And Kazu, we talked a little bit about this. All right. Thank you so much to everybody who sent in questions. And thank you to Kazuto Yamazaki, who joined us from the future to talk to us tonight. Um, yes. Any closing, closing words? Yes. Oh. Can we, can we tell you? Can we say where people can... So we've mentioned already that you can find his writing at Beyond the Box Score, at BP Wrigleyville. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Kazuto, K-Z-U-T-O, underscore Yamazaki, Y-A-M-A-Z-A-K-I. Um, is there anything else that we can plug for you? Okay, so if you ever want to subscribe to Delta Graph. Uh, it's Delta Graphs, yes. Yeah, it's 1,000 yen per month, uh, roughly 9... 9... wait... 9.5 bucks or so? So 10, yeah. 10, bucks a, 10 bucks a month, basically? Yeah. And you... Yeah, you can get 
an unlimited amount of advanced data but NTP also we just published a six annual baseball report just yesterday so oh exciting congratulations although I had zero contribution they just published it without me <laughs> but I don't know I still I promote it uh, it's all in Japanese so <laughs> if you will it's uh, 2160 yen you can purchase it on Amazon so. 1999. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us and、uh, whetting our appetites for Shohei Otani information. I'm sure that we all hope that we have an opportunity to talk to you about him again soon.、Uh, thank you to everybody who's sending questions, and we will talk to you guys、uh, next week.